Welcome to the Vertical Go-To-Market Podcast, where you'll discover new opportunities to grow your business from seven figures to eight from the world's most successful agency and B2B SaaS executives. I'm your host, Corey Quinn. Today, I'm joined by Ethan Butte. Welcome, Ethan. Thanks so much. Excited to be here. Glad we connected. And uh, I really appreciate your focus around vertical focus. Oh, boy. Thanks for that. And I cannot wait for our conversation today. It's going to be great. Could you please introduce yourself for those listeners who may not be familiar with you and your background? Sure, absolutely. I've been at a software company called BombBomb for almost a dozen years full time. I was doing project work with the two co-founders for a couple of years before that. Uh, I was the first and only marketer for some period of time here. We brought on our CMO. I became VP marketing. We built out the marketing organization. Um, I transitioned for a story that may or may not come up into a chief evangelist role. So I've been, that's, that's how I've been serving uh, for the past four years in this context. And we certainly, I would certainly tell um, the vertical story is any part of our story of bootstrapping past, you know, 25 million. Awesome. I want to unpack that. Before we do, would you mind unpacking and sharing a little bit about what BombBomb does? Sure, absolutely. We are a software company. We make it easy to record and send video messages. That's the mechanics of it. But really, the essence of what we're doing is making it easier to put the messenger back into the message. So much of our digital communication is happening, A, in noisy and polluted digital channels, right? Like email, Slack, text messaging, LinkedIn, um, social DMs, et cetera. And they're noisy and polluted channels. And faceless typed out text doesn't give people what they really need uh, in so many cases. Uh, And so I teach people and we empower and equip people and teach people um, how to record simple video messages to add more clarity, to add more connection, ultimately to increase conversion any way that you would define it. Anytime you're seeking a yes, video can help in most of those cases. That's awesome. And for the listeners, could you share, what could you share about the company in terms of the business today, as far as number of clients or revenue, employees, whatever you're comfortable sharing? Yeah. So uh, when I joined, we were fewer than 10 people. Uh, We had a couple hundred customers a lot of them, as a lot of software companies start, they're like, you know, would you please try this at no cost? And if it's useful to you, we'll figure out how to pay. You know, we just need users on the platform to, to figure it out. Uh, so we started from there, almost no revenue, almost no customers, almost no employees. Again, it's been a dozen years. They've been a little bit uh, lumpy. They're like fits and starts as, as, as goes with any company that has given themselves the privilege and the challenge of bootstrapping, um, you know, 110, 120-ish people. Um, we used to all be, uh, almost all be on the front range in Colorado Springs and Denver, but now we're everywhere, kind of post-pandemic. Yeah. And, um, you know, 75,000 plus-ish active customers. Of course, we have a free trial model. Um, and so those people, lots of them come, some of them stay. And of course, you know, among, among customers, some of them come and some of them leave. Um, so that is about like current active, you know, paid accounts. And tell us about your role there as chief evangelist. Yeah. So, um, I had come up in the marketing team. I was the first and only marketer for some period of time. I was not a digital. So this is like 2011, late 2011. And, um, I was not a digital marketer per se. The guys brought me on because, um, we knew each other. I worked with one of them at the, at the role that I was in full time when I was doing project work for them. So like my reputation, my, my work ethic, my abilities in general were a known quantity. Um, so my default was 
it was really social and storytelling because I came up in, in running marketing teams inside local broadcast television. So I was very comfortable writing, producing and editing content in general and video in particular. Um, I shot a ton of photos just for fun. It's something I enjoyed doing like primarily hiking, but you know, some urban stuff too. So I was very familiar. Uh, I had written thousands of pieces of short form promotional messaging. Um, I had worked a lot with video. I was comfortable with photos. And so this all lent itself really well to that era of email, social, webinars, stage presentations, use cases, customer stories, et cetera. Like that was my whole MO out of the gate was like, Who's finding us? How are they using us? And how can I build relationships with the people that are finding success with us, learn more about that and teach it to other people? And so that was kind of like the the start of a customer in intimacy, a storytelling and all of this that led to, uh, I don't know if you want the whole story of the evangelist thing, but uh, at this point, I'm untethered from operations. I still sit inside marketing. Um, I'll go as deep as you want on this, by the way. I, I love talking about it. Um, not just for myself, but I've talked with dozens of other evangelists. I think it's a very interesting um, opportunity for a lot of companies who are innovating. But um, I, I, I sit in marketing. I'm a free agent with inside the organization. I'm working with our salespeople sometimes to strategize an account or for direct uh, prospect interaction. I'm, I'm working with some of our CSMs and sometimes direct customer interaction there. If we have a stage presentation or a webinar that's been earned or paid for, I will often deliver that. Mm -hmm. um, I've written both of the books behind me if to the degree that people are watching. Um, in the context of the work here, I started the first one just out of pure passion alone, but um, I host our podcast and I guest on a ton of podcasts. Um, here we're talking about the nature of the business, but more often people are hosting me to talk about video messaging. Why does it matter? Um, you know, what are the trends in it? I've been a part of the entire, like video messaging wasn't a thing when we started. Like this company was legally founded in 06 before the iPhone existed. <laughs> but the interesting thing is the original founder's vision is alive and well today in our customer base. And so I'm telling that story arc to the degree that it's useful for people. I'm giving use case prescriptions. I'm doing discovery and diagnosis and prescription in formal and informal settings. And so I'm just a free agent in the organization working internally and externally to advance our perspective on how this can and should be done, why it matters and that type of thing. What an amazing resource that the company has in you and being able to do that. That's really great. It's a joy. It's it's just such, it's a great fit for me. And um, I appreciate your observation. It's, uh, I hope that everyone around me feels the same way because yeah. I would like to keep doing it. <laughs> Can we dive a little bit into the early days of BombBomb? Maybe when you were joining, you share with me that uh, one vertical in particular happened to have an influence, a very positive influence in your ability to get to the next level of the business. Could you share with us more about that time and, and that story? Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you the story. Like probably it'll wind up medium length, just knowing myself. And, and I think it, I think, I think it's super relevant to what you're trying to do here. And then, and then as soon as I kind of wrap it, we can go back into any details that Great. you want to fill in on it. But again, a free trial model, it was a two week free trial model. Um, so we were getting, you know, X number of free trials a day back when I joined the company full-time in fall of 2011. And the volume was not such that we could not literally get on the phone and send personal video emails to, or try to get on the phone and send personal video emails to every single person that started a trial and certainly every single person who bought an account. 
and the questions were, and it was intimate, like every morning standup was the entire company. And so whether it was like one support person, the two co-founders, me, uh, one or two salespeople that were doing a lot of this, uh, the customer communication. So like we, uh, you know, the, the CTO and his right-hand guy at the time. Um, and so we all were talking about exactly what was going on in the business. And so, you know, the, the, the essence of what we were trying to get at from each of our seats was who's finding us. How did they find us? Who are they? What do they do? How are they using us? Um, is, is their use of video messaging, is it additive to everything else that they were doing before? Or do video messages replace some of what they were doing before? If it's replacing, why is it replacing? Is it because it's faster and easier for them? Is it because it produces a better result? Like all of this, this is this kind of like, what's going on here, right? Because, and so, um, because, you know, we were running some paid ads at things like video email and video email marketing, but the volume on it was like nil. And so you need to know as much as you possibly can, because again, highly innovative. 2011, the search volume on video email or video, video messaging, I don't think there was any search volume on it. Some of my earliest presentations, again, this is just kind of an aside for context, some of my earliest presentations, uh, I was talking about marketing through video versus relationship through video. So, and that was just to say, we're talking video in a business context, but completely unlike the way you think. When you think video in a business context in 2012, 2013, 2014, you're thinking lights, scripts, drones, green screens, budgets, timelines, YouTube, to some degree at that time, Facebook, um, homepage videos, et cetera. You're not thinking, Hey, Jeff, it's Ethan wanted to reach out and say, thanks so much for filling out that form on our website. I'm using that generically, mm -hmm. um, wanted to introduce myself and let you know that I'm the person who wrote that thing. I would love for you to get into that. And if you have any questions about it at all, just reply to this email. I even included my phone number down below. Just reach out in the meantime. Thanks so much. Hope you find it helpful, right? Like that is not writing and scripting a video, but, but that's what everyone thought when you start talking about video email, they're like, Oh, I can just take these videos that are, and you can, you can take that YouTube video and put it into email and send it to the people who've given you, you know, permission-based email addresses. It's a, it's another channel, but that's not exactly what it is from the way that we were viewing it again, consistent with the founder story. So one day, one week, uh, we keep hearing the same name on the phone as we're talking to people. Um, you know, we doubled or tripled free trial lead flow that week. You know, it's like maybe a Wednesday or a Thursday. We're like, we are up this week. It is amazing. Like, why is this happening? Like, that's the other thing you want to know. Um, and, uh, and by the way, it's typically not getting mentioned in some article on some website, <laughs> you know, like it's just not, we, some of that happened for us too, but those yeah. like, it, it's, it's just so short run, um, mm -hmm. as a benefit. So, so a sustained thing. And we kept hearing this guy's name on the phone, this guy named Steve Passanelli. So uh, our one of our co-founders picked up the phone and called and was like, hey, man, thank you. Uh, we keep hearing your name on the phone this week. Like, how'd you find us? What's going on for you? And he and a buddy of his were selling software into the real estate community. Um, CRM was the main product of theirs, um, but they were selling other things as well. And so these two sales guys were clever enough back then to start a Facebook page, start an email channel, et cetera, doing tech reviews for real estate agents and real estate broker owners. They, at the time, their Facebook page was maybe 25,000 people, which was pretty legit at that time in particular. 
Um, especially because organic reach was still a thing on Facebook at the time. You could actually post something and like 20,000 people would see it. And they were also sending emails. And so they were using a competitor of ours, well, an email marketing platform, I should say, a mainstream email marketing platform that we would all know. Mm -hmm. And he was just tired of it, didn't like it, was like, I need to find an alternative. So he was looking for email marketing platforms, happened to find ours, realized this video thing was actually interesting. Obviously, these guys are a little bit progressive in their sales techniques and their community building and their education as the means to edu sales type thing. Um, so they took to it right away and he ended up writing up a tech review, publishing it, sent out the email using BombBomb to all of the people on his list, put it on their Facebook page and it just kind of blew us up. So we, we talked with him. He was like, love you guys. This is super interesting. I think you guys would kill it in this space. Um, the next big event is, and by the way, we, we'd seen some real estate, you know, like industry was one of our drop downs on all of our forms. Um, we'd seen some, some, a little bit of momentum there anyway, but this was just like the dumb, stupid, obvious, you should go in this direction or you at least need to experiment in this direction. It's like the next big event is in February. You should reach out. You should be there. So we muster up the cash. We take everyone who's not answering a phone on a daily basis, put them on a flight to Orlando to the Orange County Convention Center, and we functionally triple the business in three, four days of, of hand selling on the floor. And our process was garbage. I mean, the next show we went to was way faster and better. It was so crazy that it got to a point where people were handing us a business card and a credit card. Hey, I can't stand here and wait to get signed up anymore. I need to go to this next session, but I'll be back here in one hour and just give me my credit card back, but you know, sign me up. Wow. Like that's how crazy it wow. got. I want to back up a, just a little bit. So previous to, so you, what you shared was you were doing sort of, um, you were advertising online before you noticed about the, the, the trend in real estate from the free trial lead flow before that happened. How, what were you, how were you marketing the, the software in, in general? Yeah, it was, it was really, and this was, this was before our mobile app. This was even before we had a live in-app recorder, which sounds crazy in hindsight because anyone thinking about video email or video message now is like, yeah, I just record that in Gmail or I just record that in the mobile app or I just record that in the web app or I just record that in the Chrome extension or whatever the case may be. Um, but we didn't even have that at the time. So it really was a video email marketing platform. And so the idea was, you know, put yourself into your email marketing right? Be there in person when you can't be there in person. And it wasn't as direct and personal and one-to-one -one at that time because it was really designed as like a MailChimp or a constant contact, but with video baked right in, right? So the whole process of making it and sending it is under one roof. All of the analytics are under one roof, the opens, the clicks, the video plays, kind of like a, a relationship score slash lead scoring. It was not lead scoring because it's not a full CRM, but like you know, people get points for engaging with your messages. So you can easily quickly see like, who are my most engaged on the send and who's the most engaged in this list. And then who's the most engaged across all my lists. Like mm -hmm. that was, that was the spirit of it in the beginning. So it really was video email marketing. Um, and 
We had some relationships in nonprofit, and so we built a couple nonprofit integrations. The trick there, this is actually interesting for the vertical story. I didn't even think about it coming into this conversation, but we had a lot of relationships there too. And by the way, Steve Passanelli wound up becoming our chief marketing officer several years later. <laughs> uh, just That's a great to, story. I love a, that. Put a quick call back there on that. But um, so we had a lot of relationships in nonprofits. And uh, so we went to a couple conferences and built a couple of integrations. And the trick there was... It was just a much harder sale. They were very loyal to their email marketing platform in general, and they made decision by committee. It's like, so we'd go to a conference. So unlike people handing us credit cards and saying, sign me up, I'll be back. I like you and trust you enough in our five minutes of conversation to give you my credit card physically, like not give you my credit card number, like Amazing. here's my credit card, sign me up, I'll be back. Mm. Um in, in contrast, some of the the early events I went to in my first month on the job, people were like, this is amazing. I can see all these great ways to use it. This is a great way to engage our community and engage our audience and to, to do small group communication. And this is fantastic. You know what? Let me go back. And they weren't saying this, but this is functionally what's happening. Let me go back to my organization next week and see if I can run this by a committee of 10 people and get the get them all to agree to change vendors. Like it was just so slow. And we also had a nonprofit discount. So it was, you know, it was less money to start with. And it was just a much like that's part of this vertical focus as well. It's not just where's the exact product market fit, like who can get the most value from this platform. That is part of it. But if you're a I, I would guarantee that a number of your listeners whether you're in a software company or an agency or something related, that what you do, like the actual functional delivery of your product or service could serve all kinds of people. One of the things I like to say is that I sincerely believe, it's the reason I've been here so long, one of them, I sincerely believe that everyone working professionally can and should have video messages as part of their communication mix because it takes the best of what you and I are doing right now, Corey, which is like a live video call. Best is in person. Um, third best, I guess, would be a phone call, like live synchronous communication, real human to human interaction. It takes a lot of that quality, but packages and deliver it, delivers it with a speed, convenience, and asynchronicity of email, Slack, text messaging, LinkedIn, et cetera, right? So it's, it's, it lives in a perfectly unique zone between those two communication functions. So it's like everyone should have this, but you can't go to market that way. And some of the, so, so, and this happened all the time. New employees would come like, oh, you know what? I've got a couple of friends that run veterinary clinics. You should, we should definitely be in that space. I can think of 10 use cases. Like, Give me 30 seconds and I could come up with 10 more. But the answer is no, you know? And so, and, and part of it, so there are other factors involved. Yeah. I'd actually be curious to give it back to you here and, and see what, what other factors come to mind for you. But certainly how people buy and how those, and this actually kind of bit us a little bit with real estate in a way that we may or may not have time to get to. Um, how people buy is one of a number of other factors besides could people get legit value in a 5X, 10X, 100X ROI in their spend with you? Like that's not the only criteria for what vertical is a good fit because all the verticals fit us that way. So that that's a great lead in to the question, how as a, let's say a listener is an agency who has taken more of a broad market approach and they have their employees who are saying, you should be in veterinarian, you should be in legal. And there's all these really great ideas. How do you navigate that? And what is the process that you, maybe you took 
through BombBomb or, and you shared a little bit about this, but what would you recommend the listener take when they're considering evolving their business into more of a vertical approach? Yeah. So, I mean, for us, it was a long learning process. It was so, so bootstrap company, people want to give us money. It makes sense. We see the use cases. They seem unlike that other kind of group that I mentioned, ready and willing and able to make quick decisions. Um, and so we ended up spending the vast majority of our discretionary time and money over the next three or four years or so focused exclusively there, going to all the conferences, meeting all the companies and brands, getting access to the executives in those companies, meeting all the coaches and consultants and influencers in that in that business, um, and really just building our network and relationships in that space. And so to turn that into an answer to your to your question, I think, who do you all enjoy working with? Who are your, like everyone, like a lot of these people will give you money and a lot of people are getting value, but you personally enjoy or feel better about, your team feels better about some accounts and companies than others. What's consistent about those? It may be vertically based. It may not. That's another caution, by the way. I mean, our vertical focus over the years causes us to think a little bit too narrowly sometimes when we're trying to solve a problem and we look at all of this data and we chop it by vertical and like you start look you start looking at it that way a little bit too much so it may not be vertical that is what fits in that zone um another one is where do you have relationships another one is for your business development people or your leaders or your founders or the other people that are going to be doing a lot of this um advancing in a vertical or in an industry or in a community or in a in a network of some kind um Look at the next five conferences coming up. Which ones get you really excited? Which ones would you actually want to attend? Which ones, um, you know, if you're hosting a podcast, let's say, and you're talking with people in a variety of industries that you serve, look back at those episodes. Which ones did you enjoy the most? Which ones did you learn the most? Which ones felt like a more natural fit for you? I mean, some of this is uh, could be done from a quantitative perspective, you know, who spends the most on initial take, who stays the longest, who puts in the fewest support tickets requests, who who doesn't treat the world like it's on fire all of the time and so they're easier to work with, you know, um, and, and what are the hard costs associated with that? So you could look at it quantitative, but there's also a qualitative side too, because this is a privilege you're giving yourself. In some cases, it's a necessary decision you need to make. In other cases, you're privileged in that you can be of legit service and value. You can package and price what you offer in such a way that a lot of people will want to have that conversation with you. So you have the privilege in that case of saying, but what do we really want to do? If I have to do this seven times out of 10 in a particular way with a particular type of person around a particular type of problem and solution and opportunity, where do you want to do that? Now, that wasn't the decision we made. We were like, you know, cash flow. We need cash flow. <laughs> we're a bootstrap business, you know, so we're selling more annual subscriptions than month to month and incentivizing that so that we have cash, so that we have cash, so that we have cash. And so for us, it was like, um, a situation of opportunity. But in the, the way that you phrase that question, I think if someone has the ability to look at what's worked, what hasn't worked, what they like, what they don't like, where the best margin is, again, and there are a number of levers around margin, um, 
that's a privilege uh, and a great, that's a great exercise. Even mm -hmm. if you're not thinking about verticalizing right now, A, you probably should. B, you probably are because you're listening to this podcast. Um, and C, regardless of whether that's true or not, it's, it's a totally useful exercise. Let's jump back into those three to four years back when real okay. estate, yeah, uh, when real estate was the, it sounds like it was a primary focus or one of the primary focuses from a go-to-market perspective for the company. What did you do in those three to four years to really build those relationships, to build the authority and build the momentum in real estate? Yeah, uh, we went to a ton of events. We partnered up specifically with a couple of particular brands. Um, we got involved in a lot of the National Association of Realtor stuff. We went to their events, built a lot of relationships there. Um, I was running a lot of our marketing or almost all of it in that period. And so I would cut the newsletter into six segments, three of them real estate, three of them not real estate, three of them real estate, three of them everybody else. And it was like what I called pre-trial. They had engaged with us on a webinar or they subscribed mm -hmm. or they downloaded some of our content or we met them in an event like pre-trial, um, customer and expired trial. Um, and, and, you know, we followed, uh, Canadian anti-spam law, and then eventually GDPR to kind of like figure out how to manage that properly and when to let people go and how to do good lead scoring to let people go. Anyway, so that was one of them. And so you would stack stories differently. You might put something in one and not in another. You might prioritize one over another. In one, you might emphasize the fact that this is a real estate agent that we're telling this story about. In the in the mainstream one, it's a sales producer you know, who happens to be a real estate agent. Um, and uh, we would do unique onboarding and unique onboarding experiences. And it got to the point where we were doing unique onboarding experiences by real estate brand or by, you know, the A-list uh, coach in the space um, that we had a relationship with. Uh, we had a unique onboarding for all of his people. Um, what would, I'm curious, and so, just real quickly, Ethan, so, what was different about the real estate version of the onboarding versus everyone else? I'm curious. Uh, use cases. We gave them very. Thank you for the thank you for the detail question there. Um, very specific use cases and written in their language, acknowledging the fact that they are a real estate agent or a broker owner, and giving them putting it in their language. And some of it was like, we teach this all the time. We've been teaching it this way for two years, but we're using the exact same. So everyone, approximately is generating leads. Some people are generating leads from their current customer base or their, you know, their network as the dominant source. Other people are doing online lead gen as their dominant source. That would those were two tracks of training and education within real estate. And so we would speak a lot of the same use cases that we would outside those bounds because everyone needs to generate leads. Everyone needs everyone is setting appointments and following up after appointments. Everyone is trying to become the choice against a direct competitor or against the biggest competitor of all, no decision. There are video use cases along that whole track, but you can speak it in real estate lingo or you can speak to it in general business lingo. So we decided to do both mm -hmm. um, and try to get it to the right people as often as possible. I'm going to ask kind of a, a strange question, but how has specializing in real estate back then specifically, what impact has that had on your ability to generate more real estate clients versus if you were just a generalist? Uh, gr great question. I feel like it's an underhand softball. I don't think it's strange at all. I mean, it's straight up like the more you focus the more momentum you get in a particular area. For us, it was all about word of mouth, right? And we ended up, by the way, getting, you know, mortgage and title as immediately adjacent because who are these, who are these real estate agents sending video messages to? Mostly 
Well, clients for sure. And those are everybody, which is a benefit to the business because everyone can use our product. Um, and certainly they could start free trials and buy it on their own and use it for their whatever business they're in. Lawyers, um, financial advisors. We ended up getting a lot of folks in that zone too, because that kind of fits in the zone a little bit. Um, teachers, um, all kinds of people, like literally all kinds of people in our database. And a lot of that came because our, the people we went, we spent time and money. This is the key where you have time and money. And that's why I use the word discretionary. There are things you have to do to run the business. There are things that you'll accept as you like, and, and we're a, we're a low cost product, right? So the dynamics are going to be different for different people. But by focusing on this group, we got other groups adjacent as a consequence. And we had all of this momentum and word of mouth. It's not a gross overstatement. It may be an overstatement, but it's not a gross overstatement to say in 2013 to 2015, our brand name was synonymous with video in real estate. That's great. You know, uh, and, and, and you don't get there by dabbling. <laughs> you don't get there by hedging where we had a choice about Okay, there are four events that we would think would be good for us in um in Q3, let's say. Which ones are we going to go to? Well, where are our best like which ones are in real estate and which ones aren't? Where are our best friends, whether that's a brand, a thought leader in a brand, um a coach or a consultant who has a massive following and they have a stage presentation and they've told us that they're going to make us in video messaging part of that presentation, that stuff doesn't happen unless you focus and you can't leverage it unless you focus. And so where you have discretionary time and money, you're not going to turn down inbound leads in most cases, unless it's just a terrible fit. And the way our product and our product experience works, we're not turning anyone down. Anyone can come in and try it and buy it on their own. But in the case that it isn't, very infrequently is someone going to go out of their way to say, listen, it's going to be obvious, I think, for both parties in like an agency. Let's just say it's going to be a, a six-figure annual agency relationship. It's going to be pretty clear in the first few conversations whether or not it's going to be a good fit. And someone might proactively shut that down. Um, I don't know what the level of discipline is for someone uh, initiating agency relationships to shut something down, but a customer may feel like it's not a good fit. So that that's a pretty obvious one. But in this case, it's um, when you're available to everybody, if you are not focusing, it's it's just a bad situation. You're going to get yours in the end across the board. Even when we focus completely, it maxed out at like 55% of our lead flow. Maxed. Even though that was where all of, if we had a choice on how this time and money was spent, we spent it there. It, it maxed at 55%. And that was in part because what they were doing was bringing more people alongside. Last thing I'll share is we ended up creating our first um, higher level product subscription. It was like two and a half X the normal subscription price. Um, and we developed it specifically on the problems that we learned by being intimate in an intimate relationship with our real estate customers. We saw what they were doing with our product, what they wanted to do, what they struggled to do. And you can provide training and education. You could train, you can change the topics of your customer webinars. You can change some of the onboarding emails to address it. But ultimately, there's some hurdles that people aren't going to get over until you build it into the product experience. And so we ended up creating a, 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 a unique product experience for them based on what they really needed and wanted did a massive launch and did, you know, seven figures in a, in the first month 
That was our goal for the first quarter of this launch. We did it in the first month of the launch. And so, um, again, you never would have gotten there if you didn't focus and really get to know them better. So it's not just window dressing. Part of what I talked about before was window dressing, like just change the language, create a different version of about the same thing. That's iteration one. Iteration two is like really go deep on solving their problems in a unique and specific way. That seven figure launch for a new product around your specific vertical is a great testimony on the power of, of doing this. Are there any negatives to taking a verticalized approach to market? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think the biggest one was that as competitors came into the space, so our first era of, of competitors are dead or irrelevant. Like the ones that were around in 2011, 2012, they're like long gone. Um, but the space, this isn't going to be big to a lot of people, but it certainly feels big in a space that we've been trying to pioneer and make from nothing um, along with our customers and broader community and certainly with our competitors now. Um, hundreds of millions of dollars of VC has now come into this space. And um, if anyone wanted to sell against us, it was like, oh, well, that's fine if you're a real estate person, but I know that you're not. And so, you know, like that kind of a thing. And so people will weaponize that against you. Um, and you know, that sometimes that's fine and sometimes it sucks. <laughs> you can't control what your competitors are And, and it also, your, I'll also yeah. say, I mean, something that none of us should take for granted is that the first, this is, this is one, we've toyed with freemium a long time. And I mean, that's a whole separate conversation, but for me, one of, cause I've always been kind of spoken against it. One, literally everyone else in the space is doing it. And we would be moving into that. Like that sound feels like we're playing someone else's game. The second piece though, is that we can never underestimate a first impression. And in this case, I mean, if someone comes to you and feels like you're a free product for these two or three things, then you're a free product for those two or three things. Like that is, and that's how other people are talking about you, right? So instead of saying, um, you know, it, oh, oh, if you want to build your real estate business and stay in touch with your past clients and make sure every transaction is moving forward seamlessly with better communication and have people feel like they know you before they ever meet you at your, you know, at a, a buyer or seller appointment, you need bomb bomb, right? Like the other side of it is, um, Oh, that, that's the product that you use for free for these couple of things. Oh, you want a free screen recorder? This is how you, who you go use for that. And so that's another kind of a negative. So you have to be the, the challenge of balancing that so that someone shows up on your homepage and feels like they, this is what everybody wants. I feel like I know why I'm here. I feel like I'm welcome here. I feel like I know what the next steps are. I feel like I know why I want to take those next steps. It's just basic psychology. And so it becomes a really difficult balancing act to say, um, oh, are you a real estate agent or not a real estate agent? Because we'll talk to you differently both of those ways. I don't know there's tech that will help you do that Um more gracefully today than certainly back then. But, um, there's a chance that you can make some people feel unwelcome, um, because you're maybe, maybe they jumped into the wrong track, right? So I used to write, um, stupid code that would identify some of the keywords and email addresses where if it wasn't, uh, if they didn't self-identify as real estate, I could still bring them in and give them real estate oriented stuff. 
And of course, you get some false positives in there. And so now you're talking to someone who isn't in that industry. They just happen to share a bunch of letters in there. Maybe their last name is Holmes without an L in it, right? <laughs> like that was one of my keywords. And so yeah. like, you know, you, you can, you, you, there's potential to make people feel unwelcome as well. Yeah. So there's yeah. a, there's a smattering of negatives. I, I, you know, it reminds me, I used to work at a, a multi-vertical agency. In other words, they focused on about five different verticals. And we had this brilliant idea for a minute, which is if you came to our website, our website was built like five different verticals. So five effectively different versions of the website, but it was all customized and case studies and client stories and everything specifically to the vertical. And the, uh, the, the, the idea that, um, that we had was if you came into the site on a vertical, then we would basically just keep you on that vertical and you wouldn't let you kind of transverse the site. And of course, if they somehow were a dentist and they arrived on the legal version of the website, they would be on a website for our business that was completely uh, irrelevant to them. And so they weren't able to get to the medical part. So it was this, you know, we were overthinking it, I think, uh, you know, at that time. And then they come to this understanding that you are a legal service provider. Right. You, I am not welcome here. This is not for this me. This is not for me. And then we lose that otherwise potential customer. <laughs> yeah. Um, going back again to those three to four years when, when you're building all that momentum in real estate, you mentioned that you went to events, you had relationships with different thought leaders and brands in the space. You were involved in the associations, you created the content, the newsletters, two, two questions. The first one is, um, what, when you went to these events, what was the strategy that worked for you to help you to further, you know, build relationships as well as generate new business. And then number two is, did you try to do any outbound marketing specifically to real estate agents as a result of all of this momentum you were building? Yeah, I'll take that second question first. We did not really outbound at all. I mean, we, the interesting thing about the way that we did it, and this kind of starts to tie into the event strategy, we were really bottom up. Like most of our high level relationships with the big broker owners who are, you know, their business is structured around 700 agents in this metro area um, under, you know, all under the same, like, I'll just make up a name, Remax Elite. Um but it's actually like eight different offices and like we would make our way up in those. And we did some unique, like there's a guy up in Denver. He was, he loved us. He gave us a great voice into the business. And some of the precursor to that product launch I mentioned was a, a problem we were trying to solve for him experimentally across his, you know, 650, 700 agents. And so that ended up being this thing that we deployed in a slightly different way to everybody. So we were really bottom up. Um, whereas I think outbounding for the cost for the return on investment, it really should be a little bit more like mid down or top down. Um, because you know, it just, it takes time and money to outbound it's just not worth it at our price point to outbound to someone that's going to give us 500 bucks a year. And we had so much inbound that we didn't have time to do that anyway. Good problem um, until we started going up market and trying to go like mid down, top down, then we started to like an outbounding function, but never in that vertical. Uh, cause it just, it didn't need to be that way. So at events, uh, we did programming, um, when we were just killing it and just really had it dialed in, we were buying 20 by 20 booths. We would put the biggest TV as high up as we could in one corner of it. We would do seating with an aisle down the middle. We would have 
one session that was about 15 to 20 minutes long, and we'd run it at the top and bottom of every hour. By the time we went to that event the second or third or fourth time, and we had a lot of customers there too, who would come by and some of them would like hug us and like, what's going on? What's new, et cetera. We would do specific programming. So from one to two and from three to four, um, we're going to do like a more advanced strategy or a new kind of like feature set introduction. Um, but we would communicate that in advance. Hey, you know, Keller Williams, we'd go to the two big Keller Williams events every year. We'd send an email to literally every Keller Williams person in our database, customer, past customer, expired trial, et cetera. If you're going to be at this event, you're going to want to check this out, click through, and we'll give you the schedule of events. And we would do, I'll blend in a couple of other strategies here. We would give them our programming in the booth, right? So they would know that two, three hours a day, um, they would know the, the hours that we were open, like as the whole, you know, trade show floor is open and the way that we were programming that day to give them an appointment, we would also do these scenarios where, because you could buy on the spot, we would spend, let's just say I'm making the numbers up, but something like anywhere from 50 to 80 grand on doing one of these events all in. And we'd walk out with three X, four X, sometimes five X that cash because because so we could transact. So I know a lot of people go to these events and they're looking to do lead gen. And then we have a strategy for how we're going to follow up when we get back home. That wasn't our circumstance. We were asking people for as little as three, 400 bucks or as much as 1500 bucks. Or if you were buying a team account, it would be more, but it's like easy to transact, right? So our dynamic is a little bit different, but this idea of doing advanced training as a reason for customers to stay in relationship with us, to make sure that they kept getting more from us, they would come to the booth with friends. They would tell people to come with friends. We would do drawings at the end of every day to bring everyone back to the booth. We would do our own email marketing throughout the event. I would personally look at the entire event schedule and anyone who I knew was a friend or advocate of ours, a customer of ours who was on a stage or on a panel, they were in all of our event marketing. They were in, so like the morning of the second day, everyone who gave us an email address the first day would get a video email from me that I wrote, you know, before the event even started with a video from that day saying, Hey, happy Tuesday morning. Um, Hey, today's going to be a great day at this conference. Couple highlights you're going to want to pay attention to. Of course, we're open from 10 to seven at the trade show floor. We're doing special, uh, stuff, you know, at this time and this time, and you're not going to want to miss, you know, someone who we really respect, you know, at three o'clock at this thing, they're going to be talking about X, Y, and Z come back and see us. If you have any questions, if you haven't signed up, you know, the special is good through the end, like this kind of a thing. And it would also show up in all the social um, I would get to those breakout sessions, those panels, those, those, uh, keynotes and shoot photos and videos. It would be in our social media. It would be in our post event video highlight thing where the brand that hosted us was the superstar. All of our friend vendors were characters in it. All of our customers were characters in it. You would drop in little clips from testimonials you're shooting on the spot. Like we were just anyway. That was super fun. We did a lot of really good stuff. It was a like it was great. We killed those events. I, I you know, that, that just as you were sharing all that. First off, I think that is fantastic use of the space, the investment of being there, and also your own technology. Right, you're leveraging that as a as a part of the. That's um, another benefit too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's brilliant. Um, I have my again my last company. We would do a hundred events a year. We did a ton, a ton of different things at conferences, experiences. You know, things to create shared memories, all those things. And we never did that. Uh, that took that approach of the programming. I think it's 
Fantastic. Really, really cool idea. It's a reason to hang out with us and get to know who we are as people. Mm. And like, that's where it's at. Yes. Yeah. And B2B it's, you know, people love to do business belly to belly, as they say. (laughs) Yeah. I prefer face to face, but I know exactly what you're saying. Belly to belly, face to face, all the same thing. Yeah. So totally it is. As we're sort of wrapping up here, Ethan, is there anything else you wanted to share with regard to your, the story of BombBomb leveraging this momentum in real estate to help build sort of overall momentum for the company? Yeah, I'll say it's it's challenging to to juggle, to respect everyone. We've since, you know, uh, commit, you know, I mentioned there's a window where we did this. It's, you know, I personally feel like someone's just like overly emotionally invested in what we're doing in addition to intellectually engaged um, and, and functionally engaged. You know, it's some, you know, you'll start to feel like maybe you're walking away from the person who invited you to the dance as you start entertaining other motions and other opportunities and things like that. That can be difficult. It can be confusing for the company a little Mm bit Um, because not everyone, you have to communicate the strategy very clearly. Um, And uh, I would also say that we're still reaping the benefits of that investment, if you look at our free trial flow today, even though we're not specifically doing much in that zone, we built enough momentum there that it's still sustained. And so I just, it doesn't have to be forever. You have to honor that relationship gracefully um, while you continue to grow the business and do the next right thing for yourself and your team members and your customers. And it's not easy to do, but I will say focus is really the key to economic success. Mm. Thank you for that. Just quick question, quick follow-up. You mentioned earlier that the real estate at its peak represented about 55% of the inbound interest. What is it about today, generally speaking? 40? Okay. 35? So it's still a very significant part of the business. It's significant. Yeah. Got it. That's, that's helpful. Thank you. Ethan, share with me, what is your motivation? I love learning and teaching like both of those, because you learn by teaching. I mean, anyone who's a parent or a mentor or a coach knows that this is true. Mm-hmm. It is trite to say, but I get as much out of it as they do. Um, so I like I believe in what we're doing. I feel like business culture and business results can be transformed through this, through this practice, through this philosophy and practice. I think we can rehumanize this increasingly digital experience that we're all in at a certain point, it's going to be even more bot driven. It's going to be more synthetic. It's going to be more generated on someone else's behalf. We're going to lose some of the human touch. We're going to lose some of the human voice, not among people who deploy the technology the best, but you know, most people aren't, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. so like the best of the best, you're going to find the, like a beautiful balance, right? But most people aren't. So the, the noise and pollution in these channels where we're trying to connect and communicate with people in meaningful ways, again, belly to belly, face to face, referral by referral is really how business is done best, always has been, always will be. I think as the supply of empathy, generally speaking, people making you feel like they understand you, they hear you, they see you, they appreciate you. As the demand for that stays steady and the supply becomes harder to reach or diminished, um, this ability to reach through and connect with someone is so much more meaningful. I just, 
I think the world can be smaller and better and stay some degree human. Yeah. While we continue to be enamored of and invest in and uh, offload a lot of our work to machines. Well, I resonate with that message uh, at a deep level. Uh, Ethan, thank you so much for joining and you know, coming on the show. I'm, I know I've learned a lot. I'm confident my audience has also benefited greatly. Cool. I'm happy to. I appreciate the opportunity yeah. and um, I appreciate your positive feedback. Thank you. What is a good place for people to get in contact with you if they want to follow up with you after the show? Yeah, I'm Ethan Butte. Last name is spelled B-E-U-T-E. So you can find me on all of the social networks. LinkedIn is probably best. Um, the company is BombBomb, B-O-M-B, B-O-M-B.com, no space, BombBomb on all the social networks. You can email me directly. If you listen to this point in the show, I would love to hear from you. Ethan, E-T-H-A-N, at BombBomb.com. Reach out to me, thoughts, feedback, questions, et cetera, about anything we talked about or anything we didn't. Thank you so much for joining, Ethan. All right, folks, that's it for today. I'm Corey Quinn, and I hope you join me again next time for the Vertical Go-To-Market Podcast. If you received value from this show, I would love a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks, and we'll see you again soon.